Welcome to Conversations for Course Creators, a podcast for entrepreneurs who share their expertise with the world through courses. We'll deep dive into online course creation and the topics and products related to courses, including books, virtual summits, coaching programs, and a myriad of training tools available to us today. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to this next installment in the conversation on course pricing. As I mentioned in earlier episodes, course pricing strategies can be some of the more subjective elements of course business or training businesses or course creation. Everybody is uh, is curious about exactly how to price their courses. And of course, they're not exactly thrilled when I tell them there is no precise way to do that. But there are several factors that you should consider when pricing your courses. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes preceding this episode in the series on pricing courses, please go back and listen to those episodes. I think they're numbers 17 and 18. Um, can't see those uh, references right now, but if you could check those out, it might give you a little bit more context. But in this particular example, or sorry, in this particular episode, I want to talk about the element of value and the value of outcomes in particular. You see, learners don't buy courses, in my opinion, they buy outcomes. When you buy a course, you're attempting to exchange money for some type of education that helps you either close a performance gap or develop knowledge that can help you do some new thing in life, You know, develop a new skill. Whatever the case is, you're trying to increase your capabilities or or your abilities, and that is worth something, right? Those outcomes are worth something, not just financial, but in other areas of life as well. But for the sake of simplicity, let's just think about this in a, in a real basic kind of high-level business finance perspective. So let's say you have a course on making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right? It's just something ridiculously uh, common that everyone can can kind of relate to and understand. So if I just made a course on making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, it probably wouldn't have a very large um, impact on the learners. It wouldn't have a significant outcome value associated with it. That learner could learn how to make a sandwich. Great. But if I made a course on how to help peanut butter and jelly sandwich makers create a thriving business wherein we talked about how to market those sandwiches and how to sell those sandwiches and how to brand and how to make the sandwiches at a certain level of quality through certain selection of ingredients from various types of vendors and and, and different areas of the industry that you know create certain types of ingredients. Now that's a whole different game. That's not just a sandwich on, or not a, just a course on making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches anymore, is it? No, it's not. And so you could look at that and say, well, I have definitely provided more value in outcome than just the sandwich alone is worth to the learner. They can actually make a living out of doing this, or at least make some money. So we would want to try and capture the financial outcome value. How much is that outcome worth in money? Now, I'm not telling you that you can 
charge that exact amount to your learner. For example, there are plenty of certification courses out there teaching people how to pass the, the project management professional exam or some type of coaching certification like ICF. <clears throat> and you can't just say, oh, okay, well, someone with a PMP certification makes, and I'm just pulling this number out of the air, on average 15000 more a year or 20000 more a year than their counterparts that aren't certified. You can't just say, okay, well, now the course is worth fifteen or twenty grand. That's That's not how this works. But you do have an awareness that the course is worth more than if it didn't have that type of outcome, right? So if the course is capable of delivering or enabling a learner to generate an outcome that's worth financial value, then that should be considered in your pricing. Now, there isn't a law or a general rule that says if the person can make X amount of money out of this outcome, then you charge a ratio of that or a percentage of that as a course value. Again, there are so many different values that go into pricing, like the industry standards, your competition, what that person perceives that outcome is worth to them and what they're willing to pay for that outcome. So let's say in the example of the professional certifications, you teach someone how to get that PMP certification and it is worth, on average, in industry, people are easily paying $2,000 to attend a course to prepare them for that exam. And you could break that down a bit and go, well, why is that course worth $2,000 to that person? Well, the outcome has a lot to do with the investment that person makes in getting certified. They have to pay for, um, they have to pay for your time as an instructor. They have to pay for an exam. They're going to sit through a four-hour exam that costs them $400. So if they don't pass the exam, they end up paying more money to retake the exam. And it's a lot of their personal time studying and preparing. So you can start to say, well, the average person prepares for X amount of time if they've attended one of these courses and they have to do much more studying, maybe equivalent to a certain number of hours. And that is really difficult and it's valuable, right? So you can start to get a sense of like, okay, that's really where the value is to the learner. You're saving them the time that they'd have to spend on their own learning these things and researching and going over the material with other sources. And so what are those sources worth? And what is their time on average worth? And now you start to get a more realistic sense. It's not around that fifteen to $20,000, right? It's, it's lower than that. And then you look at industry standards or, or your competitors going rates in the industry and you start to get a sense of what people are willing to pay. So that's one way you can do that. You can say, well, you know, we've taken the piece about um, perceived value based on the fact that learners are currently buying courses at a certain price range. It's a price range in, in, in industry. And in the case of the PMP exam, the courses might range from anywhere from like $500 to $3,000 for a class. <clears throat> so you can get a window now there. You can start looking in and you can start looking at the value of what your course in particular provides that person that they can't get somewhere else. And you can start to put some figures on that and say, okay, now we're starting to get a better idea about what this is worth. I'm just going to caution you right now that the perceived value of the course never has a single thing to do with how much time it took for you as the developer to put the course together. 
the learner has absolutely no sense of what you've invested in developing the course, nor do they really care. I mean, they're probably sympathetic to you. They probably are interested. They probably appreciate that, but they're not thinking about that as an exchange for their their money. They're not going to say, oh, well, it took you, you know, three weeks to put that course together, so I'm going to charge you for three weeks of labor. That is nowhere in their calculation. So you got to throw that thinking out the window. <clears throat> you also can't say, well, very easily can't say, my time is worth, let's say, $100 an hour, just to keep this simple. It's not my actual rate, obviously, but I'm just going to use that number for keeping this easy for people to understand the example. So let's say your time is worth $100 an hour and it took 60 hours for you to put that course together. Okay, you can't charge $6,000 for that course, right? Or you shouldn't normally charge $6,000 a person for that course. Because in that industry, like I told you, the the normal rate is between 500 and 3,000. So now you're talking about double the industry. You could price it that way. There's no one saying you couldn't, but you're probably going to be outcompeted most days of the week, right? It's just not realistic to be double everyone else unless you have just amazing star power in that industry and you can get away with that based on your name, your reputation, and some outstanding factors in your course that outpace, outteach, outshine every one of your competitors, right? So what I'm getting at here is there's certain factors of your course that add to the perceived value. It could be the experience. Maybe you have more one-on-one time with the learner. That's worth more money to them, right? So you can raise your price based on the level of interaction you have with students. And I'm saying one-on-one because it's more valuable than like group settings. You could have a course that's fully on demand, has absolutely no one-on-one or group coaching element to it. And that's going to normally be worth less than a course that does have one-on-one or group coaching elements to it because there's an interaction with the instructor at a personal level in a live setting. And that value is baked into the course, is perceived and understood by the learner to be something more significant than not having it. So in that case, you do have factors or features of your course that are worth something to them. It's easy for them to see the value. You don't really have to explain that in great detail for them to get it. And it's kind of generally understood that that's more valuable than not having it. So features like that matter. Students don't break out their calculator and say, okay, well, it says here that the class is going to be eight hours long. And I see that their consulting rate is $250 an hour. So clearly they're going to charge eight, you know, eight hours at $250 an hour. They're going to charge $2,000 for this class. So if it's more than that, I'm not paying. And if it's less than that, um, you know, I'm... I'm getting a steal. No, that's that's not how that works, right? They're not looking at your hourly rates. That's not what this is. Those hourly rates, one-on-one, are not what you can use to very easily uh, determine the price of your course based on its length. In fact, I almost never recommend someone price their course based on the number of hours in the course because it's just not that easy. It's not that logical. It doesn't work that well. So... If that's the way you've been going with it and you've had success, then more power to you. But if you've never tried pricing a course and that's the way you're thinking about it because it's fairly common for people to say, well, 
it's a four hour course and I usually charge this much an hour. That, that is not how that works. Sorry, most people do not assume the value is based on the amount of time that you've invested in the course or that the course runs. It's more about what am I going to get out of this course as the learner, not what you put into it as the developer, right? So another example of this would be if you paid an exorbitant amount of money to have this professional crew come in and do all of this videography for you. And it was just the most beautifully created course ever. Let's say you paid $30,000 for that type of service. Well, you can't go and turn around and like flip that price tag right onto your learners. You can't charge you know, really high dollar for the course based on that. It's just not how it works. You can't say, well, I spent 30 grand, so you're going to pay 15. Nope, not going to work. <laughs> One, they have no idea how much you paid. Two, they really don't care how much you paid. And three, they had nothing to do with your decision to pay a certain price for production. So they have zero interest in that being something that involves their their perceived value of your course. They're worried about buying outcomes and experiences. So what's your experience and your outcome worth to the learner? That's the way you need to look at it. And in particular, in this dimension of pricing. So I hope that's fairly simple and clear cut. I hope there's not too much ambiguity in there. Again, pricing is very subjective. These are just ways to think about your pricing certain strategies to completely avoid, other ones to adopt. And again, think about all of this from the learner's perspective. How much would I expect to pay for this type of course? Remove yourself and the quality of the course and all that stuff from your bias from the equation and think about it from the perspective of the learner. They have not experienced your course yet. They don't know what the quality is yet. At the point of purchase, They have very little interaction with your course to determine what its production value was or how much you really cared while you developed it. So just keep that all in mind when pricing your course. One final note on this is don't be afraid to reach out to friends, a beta test group, and ask them what they would consider the value of this course to be as someone who could potentially benefit from attending the course. And the reason I'm bringing this up is a lot of people choose beta groups and they're people that they know, like, and trust to be in their beta group. And they say, what is this worth to you? How much do you think this course would be worth if you were to pay for this? Well, that person may or may not really understand the value of that course unless they fit the profile of your ideal learner. So make sure that if you're going to put people in a beta to help you in the development or the rollout of the course, the launch, and you want to do a a test group first, a beta group, make sure that there are enough people in that group that fit the profile of your ideal learner, the person you're actually marketing the course to, and the person whose opinion on the course is more valuable to you when it comes to determining price and quality and meeting expectations. All right, guys, I appreciate you sticking around for this next episode on pricing. And there's another one in the hopper. So stay tuned. Hey, guys, Lucas here. I want to talk to you about your specific situation for a moment. If you're interested in launching a course, but you haven't 
you haven't started yet. Or if you're in the process of developing your course and you feel like it's taking too long or there's too much to learn or whatever, and you haven't convinced yourself that hiring a coach or a consultant to help you is the right thing for you to do. Could be price, could be time, could be relationships, whatever the reason is, you're not comfortable pulling the trigger on a coach or a consultant. I encourage you to look into my new program. It's titled Build Your Online Course. And I designed this program to serve me years ago when I first started. This is the program I wish I had available to me when I first started out in online training. This course covers all the fundamentals that you need. It's lifetime access. It helps you move from starter to launched with a successful course at running the course or someone that's already out there doing this, it helps them fill in the gaps in places they may be missing in their business. So like I go through everything in this course that you would want all the fundamentals for building course content, including identifying your ideal learner, developing course goals and objectives, chapter and lesson content, quizzes, surveys, whether you should write scripts or not, recording video and audio, different course delivery methods like on-demand, hybrid, and live course delivery, all via online. And then we talk about administration of courses, how to launch your pre-sales, drip content, pricing considerations, payment processing, course bundling, groups, cohorts, running communities, student performance tracking, all of it, like all the things you do to deliver your course and administer your course. And then of course you couldn't run an online course without technology. So we go over the fundamentals of a learning management system, building course landing and sales pages, site blogs, workbooks, downloadable PDFs, talk about animations. We even get a little bit into gamification, all the things you wish you could learn to, to support a successful course is, is here in this program. And like I said, I wish I had had this available to me when I first started out. It would have really helped me accelerate my results in my own course development and delivery. So go check out merinotraining.com and look for the Build Your Online course program. Again, it's lifetime access to the curriculum and we have live Q&A sessions regularly scheduled. It's me and you, right? I'm there. I don't hire someone else to do this for me. It's me. I show up and we talk about your specific context, what you need for your path in developing your course. So I look forward to seeing you guys in the program. Come check us out. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Conversations for Course Creators. Please check out merinotraining.com to learn more about my private Slack community and the many ways I serve course creators. Be safe out there. I'll see you in the next episode.